All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber. Today is episode 069. And the topic of today's conversation is moving on and things we avoid. Before we get started with today's episode, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools, makers of Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. Okay. One of the things that we did today already, because um, it feels like today's been a full day already. It has. I'm mm-hmm. sore already. Yeah. Is we did a little spring cleanup in the workshop. So for those of you who are listening on Friday or whenever you're listening to this, if you go to the Facebook Live for May 6th, you will see an update on our uh, on our workshop and how we've gone through and given it a good clean out. And frankly, it needed it, even though, I don't know. I mean, even though with the pandemic, a lot of people weren't working in there as much as normal, it was still out of control. Lots of dust. I know one of the things that we did too during the time was, uh, because I got here a couple minutes later than our start time, is I saw quite a few people bringing stuff out to throw away, whether it's jigs or I think we had a burned out vacuum cleaner and a couple of other things in there. So that must have happened before I got there because I would have rescued all the jigs. (laughs) They're gone now. They're gone now. Jig another day. Yeah. So that had me thinking about my own workshop and my uh, workbench building adventure that I'm on. And it has a cabinet base with some storage drawers that I'm going to put in there. Just to prevent the dust buildup, as I've talked about in previous episodes. Uh, having the case of the cat or a case of the case and base of the workbench going all the way to the floor. So stuff can't hide underneath it. And then fully enclosing the base with drawers to keep dust and shavings and crap all from building up underneath that. So seeing the cleanup today reinforced the idea that this is a good idea. However, for those drawers, um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for the joinery. And I was talking with you guys about it. And it looks like I'm probably going to do half blind dovetails on the fronts. Probably through dovetails on the back. Maybe dados if I feel lazy. And and I will say that I was a little hesitant about it because hand cut dovetails are something I sort of avoid. And I think part of the reason that I avoid them is that quite a few other people make such a huge deal about dovetails and hand cutting dovetails and blah, 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 that it just, 
cues the Gen Xer in me to want to just kind of no thanks. Yeah, I'll avoid this bandwagon. Thank you. Yeah, it's a big commitment. I mean, you're saying this is your forever bench if you do dovetails. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's the tattoo. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I was just thinking about it, just that and other techniques or tools that I've avoided for whatever reason, mm -hmm. kind of like miters. I kind of avoid miters, not out of any bandwagon sort of thing, but just I hate trying to get four miters to line up. Yeah. It, and then getting them to stay that way and not open up <laughs> later on and just be mad at them later. And yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm the same way, even with, uh, like machine cut dovetails, like I won't even go that far sometimes, even though I like dovetails for drawers, it's like, I don't do them that often. So it takes a whole day to set up the, the jig and fussing back and forth and it's just like I'm too old for this <laughs> <laughs> or you're that. not old sure. enough for, for it right maybe that's it yeah. I'm just not ready I'm not mature enough as a woodworker mm -hmm. I got a ways to go I'm growing up to do so now Logan I know on your nightstand project yeah. You did a bevy of dove, dovetails. Mm -hmm. How do you, where's your stance on that? You know, for the longest time, and I still say it, dovetails are not a every project thing for me. Like, it's just not a, it takes a special project or a special, uh, aesthetic that i'm going for to do it right like if i'm if i'm just building kitchen cabinets for somebody nope you're not getting dovetails unless you're paying for dovetails <laughs> uh but like for the nightstands i did yeah i did i didn't know a bevy was the uh was the term for a group of dovetails but the 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 murder of dovetails flock of dovetails the bevy of dovetails uh mm -hmm. that was on those um they, they were quite honestly they were super fun to cut by hand um you know i gotta play around with the new dovetail guide i got um those were a little different because they're mitered through dovetails so the back and front three inches on the case was mitered at 45 degrees so let's combine everything we hate into one joint you know with miters <laughs> dovetails and everything uh but i i thought it was it was important to the look of it and i as much as i i don't want to say i despise dovetails because I, I love how they look and i enjoy the process of cutting them if i'm not in a hurry um but right as much as as i generally avoid them i avoid dovetail jigs that much more <laughs> Because setting up a dovetail jig for a router, I just hate it. I hate it. And and I have a nice, um, I have the, the Lee 18-inch one. It's a super nice, in my opinion, one of the nicest jigs you can get. But, um, yeah, I just avoid it. 
at all costs. Um, so hand cutting them, uh, if I was, and I will be at some point soon building a new workbench and that was going to be my forever bench, I would dovetail the drawers. Yeah. And part of what made me go that route, as you guys know, is the drawer pieces are going to be made out of fur, white fur that I got from Logan and in thinner material. And I was just a little anxious that the fur would not stand up to uh, like a locking rabbit joint. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not a lot of rigidity in the fur, I guess maybe is the right word or, or there's really, uh, because on the locking rabbit, there's just that real thin tongue on there that can easily snap off. And then the same thing, because my other go-to joint would be like a, a, a drawer joint used with a dovetail bit. And again, I just wasn't for a shop project in that fur, I don't know that that would be strong enough. So that's kind of where I thought that the dovetails would be strong enough to be able to stand up to that kind of use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And fur is pretty soft. So, I mean, it should be fairly easy to, you know, cut and chisel and right. And, and it's what a half inch material. So, yeah, because I'll use half inch for the sides, three quarter inch for the front. And... Mm-hmm. So that shouldn't yeah. be too bad there. But yeah, seems yeah. just like a lot of drawers, though. Is it like eight drawers in that bench? Or... Yeah, it'll be eight drawers. I'm opposite of John. I dread dovetails in softwoods. I would much rather do dovetails in hardwood. They, I, I feel personally, I feel like it's easier to get crisp clean dovetails in hardwood than it is softwood i mean is it easier going with softwood yeah but i i feel like it is tougher to get them to look good in softwood which again yeah. that begs the question does the look of them really matter not really yeah and going back to we were talking about the uh dovetail jigs it's not like we mean to bash dovetail jigs because they are pretty handy it's just if you don't use them often enough um, or have what what's really how helpful is if you use them a lot and they're set up well and you have a dedicated router with a dedicated bit that's always set up and makes it a lot easier and you're not it's one less thing to fiddle with so if you do want to make a lot of a dovetail drawers that might be the way to go but if you're not using it very often it, it, they can be kind of inconvenient that way well, as let's be set up. So let's be extra clear. John's not meaning to bash him. I'm completely bashing him. <laughs> <laughs> I love the I love the controversy. <laughs> yeah, you're so edgy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, and I feel like I I would be probably more in John's camp because I actually made a dovetail jig for myself, thinking that I would use it. You know, if I had it, then I would use it, but I had it for, I don't know how long and just never did. And, and I don't know why necessarily, maybe because I don't do cabinets with drawers all that often. So Mm -hmm. it just didn't come up. And I think that's probably the same thing 
with part of my reluctance to do hand cut dovetails is that I just don't do uh, casework like that where I need to do dovetails. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times cases that I'll construct are plywood based and you're not doing hand cut dovetails in plywood. Why not? Or at least I'm not going to. Right. <laughs> I mean, you edge glue it. You could dovetail it, right? Because I like to enjoy my woodworking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. I bought a one of the Porter Cable dovetail jigs probably 10, 12 years ago, and I had it. thought I'd use it a lot, and it just wasn't making a lot of drawers, and I don't know that it ever left the box. And I turned around and sold that because – we have one here and it's like, if I ever want to use it, it's, it's here, but I just wasn't, didn't find the need to have it at, at home. So yeah. it's not making a lot of drawers. So there, there's kind of a, like a two for idea here then in the sense that, you know, there's techniques that I avoid. And then there's also techniques that I've just kind of moved on from, even though I thought they would be cool at the same time. It's just part of your progression as a woodworker, I guess is, you know, I've made a few jigs from Shop Notes magazine where I just thought it was the super coolest thing in the whole world. And it was really easy and handy to have. And then just never, never used it. And then, you know, nice thing is I was able to give it away to other woodworkers or to my dad, who's also a woodworker. And, uh, you know, for example, one of them was a, a taper jig that was in Shop Notes. That was for the table saw. Super cool. Uh, worked like a champ. Could be set up for four-sided tapers. Um, adjustable T-track. Could use it for straight line ripping, all that kind of stuff. And I found that I just never did it. And any time that I did taper something, um, for me, it was just as easy to mark the line, rough cut it with a bandsaw, five swipes with a hand plane and there you are have you guys had any techniques or tools that you've you know i know john you've talked about the dovetail jig anything that you've just kind of moved on from yeah i had a a mortising machine for a while too and it was same thing where it's like it took up enough space where it was in the way and it was just as easy to go you know drill it out at the, at the, at the drill press and chisel it out rather than have a whole nother machine. So that's one of those things that I let go, you know, or I'll use a router a lot of times to, to do, you know, longer mortises and and it, it does pretty well. So I've just found that, um, uh, I just didn't need another machine that did the same thing as the machines I had already. So Mm -hmm. moved on from that. Haven't looked back. So, how about you, right. Logan? You know, I, first of all, I will say I love my mortising machine. So, take that, John. And yeah, maybe I just wasn't setting it up very well or it wasn't, you know, sharp enough or, because the one I've used here, um, or maybe the wood I was using was too hard that it just didn't, it was harder. You know, so, yeah. but the one I've used here is a, is a lot better. So maybe it was a me problem is a user problem. So <laughs> see, user I just, error. I but. just 
feel like I don't get near as good results drilling and chiseling. I like the square bit. I like just a one and done. And yeah, it takes up some room and I stick it under the, the counter in my shop. And I, you know, I don't pull it. I pull it out every couple months and use it. But I, it's one that I will keep in my shop just because I like it. Um, you know, there isn't a ton of machines that I just straight up don't use. Um, in my shop, I'll, I'll take that back. In my shop, I don't have a thickness planer and I don't have a jointer. Um, now, could I... Once I end up in a bigger space, will I get them again? Yes, I will. But I have not missed them at all. Uh, and I haven't missed them mm -hmm. because anything I am doing in my shop that I need to resize a part or flatten or surface a part, it's generally of a size and quantity that I enjoy doing it with a hand plane. I can see that. I was going to say, I don't have a planer joiner in my shop at home either, but... Um, I use them all the time here at work to mm -hmm. flatten and resize and, and do all that. But I could see how you could live without it, but they are pretty handy to have, but they're space hogs. So, yeah. Well, what have I space, have, they're nice. What I have found is that I, um, if I need to joint apart, let's say, you know, a couple swipes, like Phil said, you know, five or six swipes with the with a hand plane, joints and edge just fine. Um, if I need mm -hmm. to thickness a part, let's say I'm going from eight quarter stock down to an inch and a quarter, you know, three quarters of an inch material is a lot to hog off, even though I have a scrub plane that could do it. I just <laughs> would prefer not to. So I just resaw it down to, you know, go to an inch and a quarter, maybe resaw it to an inch and five sixteenths on the bandsaw and then I go ahead and hit it with hand planes for the last 16th of an inch and it smooths it out. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, that I will say there is one tool in my shop right now that I, I kind of was having a little bit of a, a love affair with when I first got it and I just don't find myself using it anymore. And that is my Tormek style grinder that I have. Really? Yeah. Um, you know, and it works great to get a hollow grind on stuff, but it's never my, it's never my, I think, I, I think my, my opinion would be different on it if I used it for my finish or my final sharpening, but I don't. So I always hollow grind on that and then I bring them to a stone so I can do exactly the same thing with my bench grinder with a cbn wheel and it's a lot faster and i don't have to mess with water so from that standpoint you know right now it's just taking up some space and it might get the boot that's kind of crazy yeah <laughs> it's been warned <laughs> i mean it works great i just don't I don't feel like I need to continue yeah. to have it in my shop. Yeah. And I think that's it too, is like, it's not necessarily that you've moved on from it necessarily. It's just like, it's still useful, but it just for the space that it takes. Yeah. Kind of like, 
me with getting rid of my table saw that I did, you know, primarily for space reasons. Um, I still use the table saw around here now, uh, and I have no problems with it. But now I was going to go back, John, for the drilling out, drilling out and cleaning up mortises. We've shown that technique approximately 11 billion times in the magazine. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that that's one technique that I usually avoid. That's another one. And I don't know what that says about me. But for an episode that we filmed this week, uh, I showed and demonstrated that very technique. And I felt I did better on it, even though I was drilling the parts were maple, which is a material I generally avoid. So I was wondering, like, what what's your process on creating mortises with a drill press that maybe other people could benefit from? Mm -hmm. Well, not Such using, as myself. Yeah, not using hard maple would be <laughs> the first one. But I don't know, just a uh, good sharp force. Well, I usually use a force turn bit if it's over a half inch or half inch or over under a half inch uh brad point bit is it's just okay. better at clearing chips and the little tiny forstner bits don't get all clogged up and burn and all that stuff so uh just doing that and um lots of hole overlapping holes so you're removing pretty much all of the waste other than maybe some little tiny nubbins on the side and then so you just have to clean those up and then uh, just square up the ends or not square up the ends. You could round over yeah. your mortises and be just fine. And But um, I guess just using the right bit and um, getting as much of that waste out of there and uh, usually drilling out the mortises a little bit deeper than they need to be because you always get that little schmutz at the bottom that's you're always fighting if you're trying right. to cut them, cut them the exact right size of depth. So go yeah. deeper than you need to and for a little clearance. Now, are you using uh, a Forstner bit that matches your final mortise size? Because I know like Dylan, he's kind of an advocate for undersizing the drilling and then cleaning up with a chisel. I usually go shoot right for the right size, I think, okay. you know. I can always, um, cause I, I usually do the, the mortises first, so I can, uh, cut the tenons a little wide if need be, and then clean them up with a, um, shoulder plane. Okay. So, but usually just shoot for the right size. Cause if you're using a, the drill press with a fence, it's, I mean, it's, it, you're getting a pretty straight, um, drilling pattern. So. I don't know. It works for me. Okay. Just less to clean up that way. And maybe it's just cause I use dull chisels. It's, it's easier. <laughs> <laughs> less hand tools. So. Right. It's gonna, there was a follow-up question that I had with that now and I can't remember what it is. Hmm. Probably asking how I sharpen the chisels. <laughs> <laughs> Concrete slab. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, the, the mortises that we did for this bench this past week turned out pretty
pretty good, even though they were in hard maple. Probably because they were smaller, too. I mean, it was a half inch by an inch or less. So they right. weren't too bad. Yeah, they were, weren't were very long mortises, although they were pretty deep, which I think sometimes can get in the way for me of getting a consistent mortise size. Yeah. And that was my question is, do you feel like when you're cutting them that you can be fairly consistent? Like, are you trying to shoot for a solid joint straight off the saw or are you fitting each joint? Uh, it feels like I'm usually fitting each joint. Um, cause yeah, as, as it gets deeper, it's harder to, to keep that consistent, uh, width, width and keep it square. And, um, so they're all probably a little bit different. So usually fitting, like I said, with the shoulder plane, it usually makes quick work of cleaning up the, you know, the, the cheeks of, of the tent or yeah, the tenons. Mm-hmm. So, but I know as hand tool, go, hand tools go, I don't use them a lot, but I have found that here in the shop, grabbing the, the shoulder plane is, is one handy thing to, to have around. Yeah. So Logan, when you're using a mortising machine to ask, ask the same question John did, how much hand work do you have to do per joint or are you able to get feel like you have interchangeable tenons usually usually i feel like i have pretty good joints off of the mortising machine and tables off um if if for some reason i'm being lazy and sloppy with my mortising uh, because I don't have the super cool XY table on my mortising machine that we do in the shop, uh, which makes it significantly easier to kind of dial everything in. If I'm in a hurry and sl- being sloppy, basically, it's just it ends up being sloppy. Uh, then I then I will fit each tenon. Um, but usually, if I'm taking my time going going how you should work, then usually I can get a good fit off of the saw. I always, I do always try to aim my tenons snug off the saw, and then I will shoulder plane or hand plane down um, for a good fit. Um, Recently, I've I've been super interested to try it, and I haven't done it yet, but I've been super interested to try the peening technique for the tenons so getting a like really tight fit like you'd have to hammer the the joint together but then taking the tenon over to a little you know swedge block and smashing the tenon down with a hammer to compress fibers and then when you glue it it swells back up and is a is a really really tight fit Um, but i haven't tried it yet but i would like to Hmm. at some point all right I've done something similar with loose tenon joinery where I made my loose tenon stock and I thought I had a decent size or match to my bit, but it wasn't, it was still a little heavy. So I was able to use a, I just put the little tenons in a machinist vise and then kind of squeezed them. Same thing. Yeah. Glue on, stick them in and then get a solid fit there. Yeah. You know, and quite honestly, 
recently I've been doing a lot more loose tenons. Um, I don't know what it is. I think it's just the, the pure simplicity of, uh, because a lot of the stuff that I have started to build in the last three, four years has not been based on any design or plan other than a preconceived notion in my head. So it makes it a lot easier to just say, Hey, this case needs to be 19 inches wide. You know, I got three quarter inch stock. I take an inch and a half off that. And my, my rails are 17 and a half inches. So, and then you don't have to take into account tenon lengths and all that jazz. I would much rather just cut the parts to size. It's kind of the same mentality. I think that people must get when they have a domino, which I do not have. None of us have. Um, but uh, I've I found myself doing loose tenons a lot more, uh, and I really enjoy uh, that type of joinery work. It feels like assemblies go together better. Um, you're not you're not fighting parts. Um, the uh, the planner boxes I I have been working on and uh, am finishing up um, hopefully this evening uh, are all loose tenons. So. So you just use a router then, or a handheld router? Or have you like I think last time that you did this, you used the, with the mortising machine that was recently in Woodsmith. Yeah. I, I used find the, that more helpful than just, yeah. I, with the size of these parts, because they were all two, a full two inch thick stock. Um, I used the mortising machine that was recently in Woodsmith with a big old, uh, milling bit. Um, and that works super slick. Uh, otherwise, uh, what I have been doing is I've been making just, templates um just templates with cleats on them clamp them in place use either a guide bushing or a yeah it's always been guide bushing just use a guide bushing inside of them and quite honestly then doing it that way the size of the mortise doesn't really matter so that's one thing that drives me nuts talk about avoiding something i avoid any calculations i can when it comes to guide bushing sizes because it just there's a lot of numbers there (laughs) so usually i just make a template that's slightly bigger than the guide bushing and then whatever the mortise ends up being mortise ends up being because the size of the tenon and the mortise Mm -hmm. really as long as they're about a third of the thickness doesn't really matter so that's why a lot of my jigs that i use with a uh, guide bushing, I end up just going with a one inch outside diameter guide bushing. And then the math becomes a lot simpler for me. Yeah. And then I can, cause a lot of times then I'll just go off of center lines. All right. So you guys got any projects that you're working on right now? Uh, well, in my garage, I was cleaning up and I found a display case that I started building December 2008. Really? Like 2000 and so you know it's old. <laughs> um, yeah, it started, it was going to be a Christmas present for my wife. And I got all the parts. It, it was, oh, what, I don't know what season that would have been of the Woodsmith shop, but it was a version of the display case. Um, that was in Woodsmith. It was poplar and stained. Um, oh, Java. that cabinet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like um, three or four feet tall on a little base. 
yep. glass doors. It's a little a small thing. And I bit, started building a craftsman style version. So it's got uh, rather than poplar, it's Coruscant oak and paneled sides rather than just solid wood. And so I got all the parts ready, got the panels done, the case is ready to assemble. The door parts are there. The base mm -hmm. parts are there. The top is there. The back is cut. And I knew I wasn't going to get it done by Christmas. So it went into a pile and I said I'd finish it later. And it's one of those projects that got wrapped up and moved from old video studio to garage to back to video studio to garage. <laughs> and then now apparently it was at the bottom of the pile in the garage. So it's like, hey, I should... I don't, I mean, and the reason I'm, I mean, I didn't really ever have a real need for it. It was just kind of one of those things that I was building. And so I never really got done. Yeah. So I found it and I was like, Hey, I should just put this together and finish it and send it on its way, whether I keep it or we give it away or, or whatever. It's just one of those things The it's not that far off. I can, I can get this done. Right. So sure. Yeah. That's cool. So, that's pulled that out and started sanding it. I don't, I've probably sanded it several times now <laughs> over the years. Getting it ready for finish. So we'll get it done. I'm take not going to put, yeah. Take the oxidation off of it. Right. Knock that layer off. And, but yeah, I'm not going to put a dead, uh, deadline on it, but I'll get it done. Maybe by okay. the end of the summer. Sure. So that's what I'm doing right now. Logan, so, you got your planter boxes. Yep, I've I have been my evenings have been split. Um, my evenings and weekend days have been split. I've been working on two different things. Uh, these planter boxes are one of them. Uh, there's four of them. They're huge. They're, they're like they're massive. They're uh, three foot tall, three foot deep, and six feet long. Um, so they're big. They'll hold a little under a cubic yard of dirt, which is 2000 pounds. Um, so I've been doing a lot of the, the loose tenons in them are all half inch thick Oak loose tenons, um, that are about six inches long and eh, maybe five inches long. And then I did a frame underneath of, um, pressure treated material. Um, so when, uh, my friend goes to move them, his, his plan is to move them inside during the winter. Uh, that his pallet forks on his tractor will pick up on a framework, not only the stre the long stretchers. So I'm hoping oh, okay. that that it's going to uh, kind of lend some support. And I think he's actually going to use um, compost in it instead of um, uh, dirt, which is technically lighter. Um, I think black dirt's two thousand. Yeah pounds or so per cubic yard um and the composted dirt is like 800 pounds so hopefully it'll work out better um only thing i left to do uh tonight and uh tomorrow night because these are for mother's day uh, the only thing i have left to do is install some galvanized steel in the panels so that'll be fun um okay be a long sure. afternoon uh with a cutoff wheel in my angle grinder, cutting the galvanized panels to size. Um, but the other thing that I've been working on, which I am so unbelievably excited about, uh, and I've been filming it as I've been doing it, 
is uh, I have been adding the hydraulic kit to my sawmill, which has been really fun. Uh, uh. So it's been kind of peck on it, you know, a couple hours here and there in the evenings, like after the kids go to bed or uh, last week when we were camping right down the road. So I was able to come back and work on it a little bit. And not only do I have the hydraulic kit that I'm adding to give me you know, hydraulic log loading, clamping, turning, um, and loading, uh, I think that's all, you know, loading, clamping, turning, tow boards. Um, there's also a four foot extension kit that I installed. Um, I was told that adding four feet to it, um, to the length, it, it pushes all the hydraulics more centered on the mill. So it actually works better. Um, everything's oh, okay. more centered on the mill instead of being heavy towards the front. Um, and now she's really, really long. So I hook it up with my truck and you wouldn't <laughs> think that four foot in an additional length makes it seem that much longer. Oh my Lord. It looks so like, I feel like I'm pulling like a, uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm, pulling a farm implement down the road with how long it is <laughs> so it'll, <laughs> it'll be interesting i'm hoping i'm hoping to finish that up um, yeah. what's today thursday i'm hoping to finish that up tomorrow night friday night um i only have two more attachments to add on to it um and what that hopefully will allow me to do is try them out saturday i have to go mill for somebody over by cedar rapids and they have a, a lot of logs so i'm hoping that i can wrap that all up and mm -hmm. go do that test them out this weekend so i'll be interested to see how that works cool. all right that's cool yeah i'm hey i'm willing to uh convert my minivan into one of those like follower vehicles that says like wide load and follow you awesome yes uh -huh. Uh -huh. with your mill and put the big antennas on to make sure <laughs> you can go through under bridges and the, the big whip get through traffic yep. yeah <laughs> yep so Perfect. Yeah, and go, going back to your planters, it's probably good that those are like 2,000 pounds just for security purposes. You know, the way lumber prices are, you don't want anybody to <laughs> yeah. walk off with those. The lumber well, scrappers. Yeah, it's you, funny. We're, we're outside working on, uh, must have been Tuesday night, Tuesday evening, and the Amazon driver pulls up. He's like, man, these things are really nice looking. And I just, I just sprayed them down uh, with finish. He's like, these are really nice. He's like, yeah, they're wet. Don't take them. Don't touch them. <laughs> Handprints will be all over. Well, I was able to finally finish my gentleman's dresser and get that installed in my son's room. And that felt super good to have that complete. It was nice to check the box off of that. Not only for my son to be able to have nicer storage, because it was just a the dresser he had was a secondhand piece that we picked up that was originally a flat pack, something or other. So not super well built. And so it was nice to see that done. And even more importantly, to have it out of my workshop, because I figured now it's, it had been in there a solid three years, maybe three and a half years. And it was just, I got done and got it out of there. And I went back out to my shop and it was like, Julie Andrews at the beginning of Sound of Music, just twirling around in there with all the extra space that I had. So, 
So in order to celebrate, I started gluing up some plywood leftovers that I had to create some panels for uh, a mid-century modern uh, case that I'm going to be building for my sister. So I have the pieces just off to John's left there. And uh, I'm going to hopefully make some pretty pretty good progress on that. It's not a super complicated project, not real big either, so I can get it finished and out the door, hopefully in a short amount of time. Yeah. I always so, like to... That's my at work project. Yeah, I always like to follow up a big project with something small that's like, I can knock this out really quick because then you feel ultra productive. You finish a big project, then you finish three little <laughs> projects. Right. Yeah, you gotta have some recovery time after those those big games. You gotta, you know, yeah, recoup and keep your keep your woodworking skills honed. Yeah, so it's good to do the little projects. All right. Well, I think that wraps up another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Just want to again thank Shaper Tools for our sponsor today. Uh, they're the makers of the Shaper Origin a handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. You can tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. You can try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Just visit shapertools.com to learn more. Once again, I want to remind everybody that you can watch the Shop Notes podcast on our YouTube channel. It's also a good place to leave any questions, comments, or smart remarks that you may have. Otherwise, we'll see you again next week for another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Bye, everybody.